summary of the Sikha. At the end of the parsha, the uh, pasuk mentions goes through the names of all the kings that were that uh, that reigned in the lands of Edom up until the time when the Yidden had kings. Before the Jews had kings, starting with King Shaul, the Edomites, the Esav's uh, people, had kings, and the Torah goes through each name of each king. One of the th- kings that is mentioned there is Yoiv of Ben Zorach mi Botsra. Yoiv of the son of Zorach that comes from Botsra. Rashi quotes these words and he says, tells us, Botsra was from the cities of Moyav. As it says, he brings a posseg Valkriyos Val Botsra, mentioning two cities which were part of the cities of Moyav, and Botsra is one of them. And be- so then he goes on to explain. And because they provided the, the, the Moyavites pre- provided, or Botsra provided a king for Edom, that's why eventually when Hashem will punish Edom, He will also punish Botsra along with them. As the Pasuk says, Kizevach Lashem Botsra, Hashem will lead a slaughter in Botsra. So we have to understand what exactly is so difficult about understanding that Yoifah ben Zorach was from Botsra, that Rashi has to go into a whole description of that it was from Moyav and that he will, he will punish them along with Edom. Why is it important to this discussion? Some people want to answer that this explains why we're told that he was from Botsra. So the reason is because he, Botsra is from Moyav and therefore that's what the Torah is trying to tell us. Why Hashem will eventually punish Botsra together with Moyav, with uh, Edom. But that in itself is a question. Why does the Torah have to tell us this over here in the context of telling us about the kings of Edom? And the bigger question really is, this is not a question at all because in, by every single king that is mentioned in those psukim, the Torah tells us which city he came from. In, by every single one, except for one, the Torah tells us which city. So what is different about telling us that Zorach, uh, the son of Yeva, was from Batra, that suddenly Rashi has to explain it? So to understand what's going on here, we first have to look at where the Torah describes about the greatness of Edom as opposed to the greatness of Yaakov, or Esav and Yaakov and Edom and Yisroel. What does the Torah tell us? It says that when Rivka was pregnant... She went to inquire about, uh, from Hashem about what's going on, and he, she was told by Shem that there are two nations, there are two nations within you, two nations will come forth from you, one nation will, they will always struggle, they'll never be on equal standing. When one is up, one is down, and so on. And the older one will always be a servant to the younger one. Esau will be a servant to Yaakov. So Rashi explains on the words that they'll never be equal in greatness when this one is up, this one is down. But then when he talks, when he explains the older one will always be a servant to the younger one, he doesn't say anything. So that leaves the question. Rav Yabetzoyer seems to be an unconditional situation. It's not dependent on time. It's not dependent on conditions. It's always the reality. The older one will be a servant to the younger one. How does that fit with what Rashi said before, that when this one is up, this one is down? It seems that there are times when one is up and one is down. Is Veravi Abetzer always, or is it conditional and sometimes changes? 
The Medrash does say that even that is also true, that when, uh, when he sins, he will not be the master. But Rashi doesn't say anything about that. Rashi see, leaves it unexplained, which means that it's always. So what's the meaning? So the explanation is like this. Rashi explains about Shnei Goyim Bevitneich. The Rashi points out that the word Goyim, which means nations, is spelled Gimel Yud Yud Mem, not Gimel Vav Yud Mem, which means nations. Goyim means great ones. And Rashi says this ver- refers to Antoninus, the great one, of Edom, of Rome, and Rebbe, the great one of the Jewish people. They were two, uh, at the same time, they were at the same time. So there, were two, there, were two, there will be two great individuals that will come forth from you. When it comes to Shnei Le'umim, two nations, Rashi says, Le'um means a nation. In other words, that Rashi is saying, there are two things going on here. First of all, there are two nations that come from Esau and Yaakov, the, uh, the nation of Adam and the nation of Israel, and then there are individuals, and there are individual great ones which come from the Yid and from Esau. Therefore, it stands to reason that the continuation of that pasuk, there are two great ones, individuals, pertains to Verav Yavetzoyer. The great, the older one, will always be enslaved to the younger one. When it talks about that they will struggle and one, there's sometimes ups and downs, that's talking about them as nations, as nation states. Sometimes this one is up and sometimes this one is up. But as individuals, the older one will always be a slave to the younger one. Esau is always a slave to Yaakov. Always. That explains also what happened by the bracha of Yitzchak to, to Esau. When, when Esau came in and he discovered that Yaakov took the brachas, so he said, give me a bracha. So, Ye- Yaak- so Yitzchok said to him, what, what is it going to help if I give you a bracha? I already told your brother, you will be the master over your brother. He is always going to be your slave. So if I give you a blessing for assets, what's, what is it going to help? Whatever you own, he owns. Whatever the servant owns, the master owns. So what kind of a blessing can I give you? And he sa- although Yitzchak said that um, if there will be a time when Yaakov will not behave as he should be, you will be able to throw off the yoke of his slavery. What that means is not that you will become the master. All I can tell you is that if he doesn't behave properly, then he will not be able to actually enslave you. But you will always remain the slave, and he always remains the master. is unconditional. You are the master, he said to Yaakov, is always unconditional. So if we understand it in this way, that as individuals, there can never be a master from Esau, so that leaves a great question over here, in what the Pasuk is telling us. The Pasuk lists a whole bunch of kings that arose from Edom before the Jewish people had kings. So that explains, and he's explaining the Le'oim Le'oim Yemots, that the Edomites had kings, and then later the Jewish people had kings, and therefore there were no longer any kings of Edom, once the Jewish people had kings. But the question still remains, how could there be a king? A king from Edom means that there is a master, the Jewish people didn't have a king that time. The Edomites have a master. How could that fit with Hevigvir Lachacha? 
that the uh, the older one always is a slave to the younger one. Where do kings come to Edom? So to this, the Torah tells us where each one of those kings from Edom came from. It lists the city from which he came. And in every single instance, the name of the city from which the Edomite king came is not from the lands of Edom. It's from other countries, which means that the kings over Edom were not Edom people. They were always from other countries, from other nations. That explains how they could be kings, because they weren't Edom people. Edom people can never be kings. But that leaves a question, what about Yoiv of Ben Zorach mi Botsra? This name of this king seems to uh, indicate that he was from Edom. First of all, because Zorach was one of the uh, heads of the families of the family of Edom. So Yoiv of Ben Zorach would seem to be somebody from Edom itself. In addition to that, Botsra is mentioned in many places in Tanakh where it talks about Hashem exacting punishment on, uh, exacting punishment that he will exact uh, uh, from Edom, and it mentions Botsra alongside that. So it would seem that Botsra is from the lands of Edom. So that, this is the one exception to that whole rule. So how is it that Yehovah could be a king when he is the son of Zerach, which seems from Edom, and Botsra seems to be from Edom? Therefore Rashi says, no. Botsra is not from the lands of Edom. Botsra is from the lands of Moyav. So then why is Botsra mentioned alongside, why does it mention when he talks about exacting punishment from Edom, why does it talk about Botsra? So Rashi says the reason that it's mentioned over there is because since Moyav sent a king to be a king over Edom, that's why they will also be punished alongside Edom. And that's what it means when it mentions Batsra alongside the punishment of Edom. It doesn't mean that it was from Edom. It's from Mayav. But they will be punished together with Edom. Why is Zorach? Zorach is a different Zorach. You would think that it's from the family of Edom. But clearly it's not because Batsra is from Mayav and not from Edom. So now according to the expl- this explanation, that Verav Yavit Sawyer that the older one will always be a slave to the younger one, you have a question at the be- from the beginning of this parasha. The beginning of this parasha mentions that Yaakov sent a messenger to, to Esau and he refers to him as my master, my master, I am your servant, you're my master. He's bowed down seven times to him when they finally met up and it keeps referring to him as the master. How, how could Yaakov refer to Esau as the master when Esau is always the servant? What does he mean by saying that? And even though the Medrash says that Yaakov was taka punished for that, but we, we already know that Yaakov, Avram, Yisrael, Yaakov, they were a Merkava, they were a, a, merely a vehicle to the will of Hashem, and they, they couldn't do anything that was negative or evil in any way. So what does it mean? When Yaakov does something, there mean, it means something. There's a reason for him doing it. So what is the explanation of why Yaakov refers to Esau as the master, and to himself as the servant? And Chassidus explains that when Yaakov was talking to Esav about his master, a master is because Esav, the source of Esav, is from Olam Atoyu, from the world of chaos, which is a higher godly energy than even than from where Yaakov comes, which is from the world of Tikkun, where everything is organized and everything is properly set up in Kalim, and, but that's a lower level of Eir. And therefore, when Yaakov was talking about to my master, 
he was trying to reach that place of the source of Esav, and that's who he's talking to, but not to the Esav that's on this world. But the fact is that he was talking to the Esav in this world, and it was bowing out, down to the Esav in this world. So what is the meaning of that? That must mean something too. So to explain, to explain that, in order to overpower evil, there are two ways in which it can be done. One is that the one doing the, the biru, the one doing the refinement, the elevation, who is on a higher level than the subject that he's trying to elevate, shines down a great amount of light, a great godly revelation, such a great revelation that it completely uh, pushes away anything negative in that subject because of the great revelation of light and releases, allows for anything good that was within it to be elevated and the job is done and there's no need for any for the, for the one doing the elevation to have to go down to that level all he has to do is reveal something great onto it and everything is done the other way is you get down to the place of the one that you are trying to elevate and you get involved in his world and you work with him in his reality and then you elevate him through that you elevate him what is better than the other? There is a quality to each one of these two approaches. If, as far as the one doing the refinement, it's better to shine a light down, and therefore you don't have to go down there, and you don't have to get dirty, you don't have to get soiled by living in the world of the, in that ugly world. But, on the other hand, the, the one being elevated isn't truly elevated, because all that happens is, he was pushed aside temporarily, but he didn't really, he didn't, nothing changed within him. So there's a quality in going down and getting involved in that, in that world and working with the reality of the subject that you're elevating. And then when you transform that, it's a true transformation. But that brings you down a level as well. The one coming down has, it gets lowered and sometimes even gets soiled sometimes even needs to go through a certain corrective measure in order to go back, to be able to get back to his original place. And the purpose of the creation is, of course, that we have to make sholem in the world. We have to transform the world, not by pushing away the world, but by going down into the world and refining the world and turning the world into a place that not, as the word for world means, concealment, that the world should not no longer present the concealment of God, but that it should make peace with God and therefore no longer present the concealment of Hashem. That's the real purpose. In order to do that, you have to go down into the world and you have to work with the world. And it's true that you get soiled from the world. And there is even a Pasuk that says that Hashem Himself said, my, my garments became soiled when I went down into the do battle with the, uh, the evil nations of the world. Hashem himself says that my, soil, my garments become soiled. And Sadiqim also do what Hashem does, and therefore they have to go down and they get down and dirty with the subject of what they're trying to elevate. And that's what Yaakov was doing as well. Even though the, real, the true reality is that Rav that Esav is always the servant uh, of Yaakov, but Yaakov had to go down and elevate Esav. So therefore he had to lower himself and he even had to say to Esav, you are the master and I am the servant. And all in order to be able to work with Esav because the whole point is not that Esav should be pushed aside, 
but that Esav should acknowledge that Yaakov is the master. And in fact, he did in that story. As the Pasuk says, Yehi l'cha asher l'cha. Esav said to Yaakov, you should have what is yours. What he meant by that was he finally acknowledged that the brachas do belong to Yaakov, including the bracha v'hegvir l'achecha, that you are the master. So Esav himself acknowledged that Yaakov is the master and that I am the servant and this will be fully realized when finally Esau will be totally elevated for all the Mashiach and when Mashiach comes and Esau will be transformed and Hashem will be the reign supreme over the whole world including Esau.